Pastor, I'm honored to get to be here, and thank you for being here tonight. What a blessing to see folks in the assembly. I felt a little strange, hadn't quite been gathered together like this for a little while for me. But uh, I know some of y'all are a little more spiritual. You've been going on regular, and that's all right. But um, it's good to be here. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing Brother John preach the Word here in just a few minutes. And I'm not going to tell you I'll not be long, because my wife always says every time you say that, you end up being longer than you ever have been. So I'm not going to say that. But I will invite you to open the Word of God to John 3, verse number 22 is where we'll pick up tonight. John 3, verse number 22. Appreciate my wife and my son-in-law, Cody Bullman, coming down tonight. My wife, Tammy. And it's good to see other preacher brethren and uh, men of God in the service tonight as well. John 3 verse 22, After these things came Jesus and His disciples into the land of Judea, and there He tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Enon near to Salem, Now get this, this ought to give us some understanding about baptism, biblical baptism, because there was much water there. Takes a little bit more to put somebody in, right? And so that's why they're there, there's a lot of water. And so they came and were baptized. And John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. They came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness, you've heard me say this before, that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. If you want to know what I think about it, John said, He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth, and he that cometh from heaven is above all. What he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true, for whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. 
For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. I'm interested in that statement in verse number 20, or rather verse 30. Uh, He must increase, but I must decrease. This is another one of those golden statements, utterances of John the baptizer. There are many one-liners, I guess, that uh, could be credited to John. Things that he said, unforgettable statements. And this certainly would have to be in that list. He must increase, but I must decrease. John was interested in letting Jesus be big in his life. What did he mean by this? What did he mean by this? He must increase, but I must decrease. I think he meant that the Lord Jesus is the one who needs to become more prominent and that I need to become less prominent. I think he means by this is that the Lord Jesus needs to become greater and I need to become smaller. He means by this that it's the Lord Jesus who needs to be most important to you, these that he's speaking to, while I become less important. You see, John had been garnering a lot of attention out there in the Judean wilderness. Crowds were gathering, many were getting to God, being baptized, repenting of sin, finding out who Jesus is, and God was using old John. John was willing and glad to just sort of step back into the shadows now, take his position, uh, the rightful position, as being less while the Lord Jesus is most. What he means is that he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. You realize that's not easy tonight. That's not an easy path. It's not a comfortable road if that's your desire. So John wants the Lord Jesus to be big in his life. He's not ashamed to admit it. He wants them uh, to come to this uh, as well in their own lives. John wants the Lord Jesus to be most conspicuous. John wants the Lord Jesus to be most outstanding while he becomes less visible and less heard. But why is it? The question is, why is it that John would say this, and why should it be our attitude tonight? He must increase, but I must decrease. I want to show you at least three powerful reasons why John come to this in his own life, why we should come to this in our lives, why the Lord Jesus should be big, why He should be on the increase, why He should be growing, why He should be preeminent, why He should be prominent. I'll begin, and I want you to notice that John wanted the Lord Jesus to be big because I'm convinced that he knew and believed that Jesus deserved it. Jesus deserved it. 
Now I know that John is known for being somewhat harsh, austere. John wasn't afraid to name sin and even call out those who were guilty of it. And I hear a lot of preachers say that that's really what we ought to emulate the most about John. While that's admirable and certainly necessary in the day that we live in, I want you to think about something about John tonight as you read through his life and what the Gospels have to say about John, and it's this. When you hear John speak, what you hear John say most is Jesus. What you hear talk about most is Jesus. I love John's Christology. And if you want to be true and right about who Jesus is, then pay attention to what old John had to say about Jesus because he was right on the spot. He isn't afraid to put God on His throne. He isn't afraid to let Jesus be big. We need a recovery of that in this hour is a big God theology, a big Jesus theology. John possessed that. You see that right here in this context. Um, actually, in chapter number 1, there's some statements that he makes to the same, same congregation that he's preaching to there in Judea. But in chapter number 1, verse number 15, the Bible said, John bear witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake, and watch this now, He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now John was older than our Lord Jesus by a few months, but John understood who was preferred. John understood who was biggest. John understood who was most important. Though he comes after me and though I'm leading the way, John said he's the one you really need to be paying attention to. Why? For he was before me. I am older than him in the flesh, but you've got to understand he's the rock of ages. He's the eternal one. Why right here in John 1 verse number 27, look at what he said as well. He it is. He it is. They want to know who John is. John said, He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latchet I am not worthy to unloose. He says there in verse number 30, This Lamb of God, this is he of whom I said, After me cometh the man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. In Matthew chapter 3 in John's preaching ministry, he makes a statement there that there comes one after me, who is mightier than I. So John has a great estimate and a high view of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He sees him as the Scripture reveals him to be. He sees him high, he sees him holy. There in chapter 3 where we read, verse number 31, he said, He is above all. That's John's view of the Lord Jesus. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that John didn't just see the Lord Jesus as the man upstairs. He didn't just see the Lord Jesus as just one of the boys, good old Jesus. And he didn't see the Lord Jesus as just the boss, but he saw him as he is, God over all. 
king, high, holy, above him, and above all. Luther corrected one of his associates, Erasmus, during the Reformation. And he said to him, my brother, he said, I am afraid your thoughts of God are too human. He only sees God along the same level as we ourselves are. And somebody said that God made man in his own image and we decided to return the favor. But I want to remind you tonight that he isn't just one of us. He is above us. He is beyond us. And I think one of the reasons that Jesus made so much about John the Baptist as being above all that were born of women is that John made so much about the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the keys to his greatness is that he thought so much about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason he wants Jesus to be most significant and he wants Jesus to be most visible is that he believes he deserves it. He deserves the attention. Where's the church tonight that Jesus is the main attraction? We've got churches that are known for everything in this generation. There was a church in our county that was having a bake sale, and I went and picked up some pies and cakes. And one of the old ladies, well, I'm not being disrespectful, maybe one of the senior saints said, you know, we're known for our cakes. They were good. There ain't no doubt about that. But that's a poor testimony if all that we're known for is our cakes and our ball teams and even our singing or our buildings or anything else we've got. The main attraction ought to be the Lord Jesus Christ. He ought to be the most outstanding, most conspicuous, the one that you can't see ought to be the one that everybody knows is there. John wanted Jesus to be big because... He knew and believed that Jesus deserved it. I read the story that after the performance of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, the crowd stood and gave a long, loud ovation to Arturo Tuscanini and his orchestra. And while they were applauding them, old Tuscanini turned around and looked at his orchestra and he said to them, I'm not anything. You're not anything. But he said, Beethoven is everything. He realized who the real genius was and what they were doing. He realized the Creator was the one that ought to get the applause, the one that designed this and made this. And my dear friend, I say to you and me tonight, I'm not anything and you're not anything, but He is everything. And because He's the Savior and because He's the Lord, He deserves the right to occupy the position that He occupies. John wanted the Lord Jesus to be big because, secondly, He knew and accepted His place in the economy of God. Not only because He knew and believed that Jesus deserved it, but He knew and He accepted His place in the economy of God. You see, they came to John, they're trying to make old John jealous. John's over there in Enon near Salem. There's a lot of water there, and that's where you ought to have baptisms is where there's a lot of water. Amen. Amen. If you're going to get somebody under, there's got to be a pretty good-sized pool there. John was over there baptizing. Jesus is over there baptizing and preaching, and they come to John and said, Hey, 
We was over there at that revival meeting last night. Jesus got more people than you got over here. John, your congregation's decreasing. Old John didn't flinch. He looked at him and he said, I'm going to tell you right now, that ain't the only thing that needs to decrease. He said, I need to decrease. He wasn't in competition with God. Can I tell you something tonight? God Almighty, the Holy Ghost, is not going to share the glory of God with any one of us. Not a single one of us. I don't care how proud of a preacher he is. I don't care how gifted a preacher he is. I don't care how smart a preacher he is. And I don't care how charismatic a preacher he is. God isn't going to share his glory with him. John wanted the Lord Jesus to be conspicuous. He wanted the Lord Jesus to be outstanding because he knew and he accepted the fact of what he was in the economy of God as far as John was concerned. He said, I'm a big fat zero. I'm a nothing. Did you know the other thing that comes out of John's mouth just as much as he said he is, he is, he is. The other thing that was coming out of John's mouth is this. I ain't. Look at it, look at it, right here, right here in verse number 28. He said, I am not the Christ. (laughs) I ain't your Savior. I ain't your God. Hey, let me tell you something, preachers. He said, I ain't your Holy Ghost. Amen. I am not, but that I am sent before him. Look at what he said in John chapter number 1 again. This same congregation over here in verse number 19. It's three or four different times there in John 1. It talks about how John bare witness of him. And in verse 19 it said, This is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? I want to tell you something. A Holy Ghost filled man of God is an anomaly. What do you mean? He's strange as a football bat. You'll never figure him out and you might as well not even try. They couldn't figure John out. Who are you? What are you doing? Look at it. He confessed, verse number 20, and denied not and said, I am not the Christ. Boy, it's good for us to figure that out tonight. We're not God. We're not God It's all about Him. It's all about Him. John wasn't jealous of the glory of God. Oh no, he was happy to be nothing. John, you're losing your crowd. He said, hallelujah, that's what I've been pushing for the whole time. As long as they're running after Jesus. Hallelujah. Old Richard Baxter lay dying on his deathbed. That Puritan, 1691. They gathered around him and they were appreciating old Richard Baxter and telling him what a difference he'd made in their lives, his preaching and his writing and his life. To all these accolades, Baxter just looked up and said to them, I'm just a pen in God's hand. And what kind of praise does a pen deserve? John realized he's just a voice. Let me say you this, he wasn't an echo. That's all right. yes, sir. 
He wasn't just reverberating what everybody else was saying. He was a voice for God. He carried the message of God through his life. And through him the light was made known. Through him he prepared a way for the Lord Jesus Christ in the spirit and the power of Elijah. John came making a way for God. Bulldozing a way through that wilderness and through that crowd for the glory of God. John was glad to be nothing. John realized whatever he had, who he was, whatever he did, it all came from heaven. Verse number 27. He said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. He said, whatever I got, I didn't, it ain't mine to begin with. Amen? Amen? It ain't mine to begin with. It came from heaven. It didn't originate with me. It originated with him. John said, you can't make me jealous. I'm glad for who he is and what he's done. I'm glad to be where I'm at. I'm just a nothing. I'm just a nobody in this thing. And the reason John wanted the Lord Jesus to be big is because he knew he accepted his place in the economy of God, in the place that God had put him in. Now there's one more thing. Watch this and I'll finish. Verse number 29. John wanted the Lord Jesus to be big because he knew and he experienced the blessing and the joy of it. Look at it. Verse number 29. John says, I'm just the friend of the bridegroom. Why in a wedding even here, and this is different there in an oriental wedding, even here, the groomsmen, the bridesmaids, they're pretty much irrelevant. Right? We're all eyes. They're all eyes are on the bride and the groom. And really, if you want to push it, I told my wife on our wedding day, a groom, I was pretty much unnecessary. Wasn't nobody paying no attention to me. Everybody turns around and looks for the bride. Right? Y'all have weddings over here? Y'all just go out in the cornfield and get it done. <laughs> huh? Everybody's paying attention to the bride, paying attention to the groom. John said, hey, hey, you got this all wrong. You got me in the wrong place and you got him in the wrong place. You need to readjust this thing and get me as the one that's standing beside the groom. He's the main attraction in this thing. I'm just the friend of the bridegroom. And he said, I'm blessed and I'm privileged just to be a part of the procession. It's all about him. He's the one you better be paying attention to. <laughs> Well, what is this friend of the bridegroom in an oriental wedding? The bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom, he made the marriage contract between the fathers of the bride and the groom during the espousal period. And oftentimes he even arranged the marriage feast. He just sort of a, a behind-the-scenes kind of fella taking care of loose ends. John is telling them he's content, he's pleased to have simply been the one to brought the Lord Jesus Christ to his people. What a privilege it is to be able to stand in his company, to be counted with him. John said, that's my joy. Now, I'll tell you something, old John was a man. John was a man's man. You ever thought about what would excite a man like John? 
What would give John any kind of joy? You can learn a lot about somebody when you find out sort of what tickles their fancy, what floats their boat. Amen? You go visit with somebody, they've got an old antique car out there in the garage. Before you leave, they'll have you out there looking at that thing, smelling of it. They'll be touching it. They'll tell you all the hours they put in in restoring that thing, all the money they put into it, where all these parts came from, original stock parts. Well, I tell you, that's their pride and that's their joy. That's what thrills them. They feed off of that. But what is it that would crank the motor of a man like John? You know what it was? It's Jesus. John had more God about him in his mama's womb. Most Baptists do after they've been in a church for 50 years. Amen? Well, he's in his mother's womb and Elizabeth, Mary walked into the room where Elizabeth was and, and John realized when God showed up. He leaped in his mother's womb. She got filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what excited old John. He got climatized in his mama's womb. He came to know the presence of God and enjoy the presence of God. And here he is just in the sunset years or days of his life. He only had six months ministry. Just a short span of six months was he on the scene. And what a difference his life made for six months. John said, I'm going to tell you right now what gets me to jumping up and down, what excites me is when I'm standing near him and just to hear him speak. Look at it, verse number 29. It's in your Bible, the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom. Don't you like that? John wasn't one of these sitting around on a pew and says, well, praise the Lord. Huh? No, he said, I rejoice greatly. Why? Because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. John said, my joy, my blessing. He said, my thrill is just to hear him speak, to hear his voice, to hear him whisper to my soul. What a blessing, what a joy it is. My joy is fulfilled. Joy is a byproduct of Jesus being Lord in your life. You can't find joy. Quit looking for it. It's nowhere to be found. It's elusive. It's as scarce as hen's teeth, as the old saying is. You can't find joy. Ain't a person in here ever tell me you found joy. I want to tell you what, joy finds you. Joy is a byproduct of Jesus being Lord in your life and Jesus being on the sure increase of Jesus being formed in you. As Paul said to the Galatians, that I pray that Christ be formed in you, that He have His place in your life as Lord. And that's when joy comes creeping in on you all of a sudden out of nowhere. It slips up into your life and for no, no reason, no explanation, there's blessing in your heart and in your life. It's joy unspeakable. It's all because of the Lord Jesus. I give you this illustration. I finish. 
in the Old Testament. Joseph. There's something that comes out in the life of Joseph that I think parallels with what John's talking about here. He must increase. I must decrease. And don't miss the order here. A lot of us preachers, we put a lot of emphasis on decreasing ourselves, decreasing ourselves. God's never told you to crucify yourself. God said, reckon yourselves to be crucified. It's already happened. You can't kill a dead man. Reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God. We've got the order mixed up, and we preachers are going around telling people, you've got to kill this, and you've got to kill that, and this has got to be cut out, and that's got to be cut out. That's not the order of God. God's order is this. Say yes to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. And say a no to the flesh and no to the world will happen instinctively simultaneously it'll happen naturally when he's filling the horizon of my life I don't have room for all these other things here's how John here's how Paul said it in Galatians 5 he said walk in the spirit and then you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh we preachers over here trying to tell people to quit fulfilling the lust of the flesh what we need to be and telling them say no to sin no to sin no to sin that's not the biblical order the biblical order is say yes to Jesus yes to Jesus yes to Jesus and the no to sin comes naturally as long as he's on the increase brother everything else will be on the decrease Just give your attention to Jesus. You can get so conscious of sin in your own life, my God. That's all you live and waller in. John's saying you need to be more conscious of Jesus than you are me or of anything else. Conscious of Jesus than you are of sin. That's the order. And in Joseph's life, Wherever he's allowed to have dominance. Wherever he's in control. Wherever he's on the throne. Wherever he has charge. It doesn't matter if he's at Potiphar's house or if he's down at the prison or if he's sitting on the throne in Egypt. As long as he's the one that's got the range. You know what the scripture says about what's going on around the epicenter, ground zero, where Joseph is operating. You know what's going on? The Bible said there was blessing. The Bible said there was favor. The Bible said there was the presence of God. When he's sitting on the throne in Egypt, brother, there's corn when you can't get corn. Amen? Amen. No, that's what John's saying here. Let him reign. Let him be big in your life. Let him be Lord. He deserves it. We don't. There's a real blessing in it. I'm through. Let's bow for prayer. Oh, our Father, we thank You for the opportunity to gather together in the name of the Lord. We thank You for our fellowship in the Gospel.
I pray that you take our feeble efforts and may the Holy Ghost just drive this seed deep down into the soil of our soul. May that be the desire, the aspiration, the goal, the ambition of our life is that Jesus be outstanding and conspicuous, be preeminent, and be on the sure increase, that He may loom large over the horizon of our life, our churches, in this meeting, that Jesus would loom large. And that we would be virtually unseen. Help us, God, give us the grace to get out of the way and realize that God resists the proud. Gives grace to the humble. Thank you for this man of God you've put here in this place, laboring here from week to week. God, meet every need. And Lord Jesus, we pray as you have your rightful place here in this place, there may indeed be abundant corn. There may indeed be blessing and peace and favor. The favor of God is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.